In this week's episode of Farmer's Inside Track, we're connecting with Gugule Tumatlangu, spinach farmer and founder of House Harvest in Boxburg, Johannesburg. In our agripreneurship slot, Nikke Grunewald, the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank, explains everything you need to know about business succession. In our Mzanzi Flavor segment, Chef Tefo Mohoro shares his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis. And on top of our reading list this week is a book titled South Africa's Greatest Entrepreneurs by Moki Makura. Makura is a Nigerian-born South African actress and presenter, best known for her presenting in the news actuality show Carte Blanche. And of course, our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agri-economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzansi. Welcome to episode 47 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and you are listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast. And I'm Duncan Masiwa and as always we kick off the show by introducing you to the movers and shakers in agriculture. Today's guest is none other than Guguletu Mahlangu. Gugu, you run a thriving vegetable enterprise in Gauteng. Can you tell me what inspired you to venture into the agricultural industry? Thank you so much, Nolutando. What inspired me to venture into the agriculture sector was self-acceptance and accepting my personality traits and my strengths and then choosing a career path that accommodates that. Because, you know, some people know exactly who they're going to be, doctors, lawyers, nurses, especially after they leave matric and start university. But others, like myself, were not that lucky. After leaving varsity, I had to self-introspect because I was not happy. I had to accept that I'm a person who loves the beauty of nature. I'm a self-reliant person. I'm independent. I'm meticulous. I'm always advocating for people to grow their own foods, especially in this tough economy. I'm devoted to eating nutritious foods. I feel that we all need to be eating nutritious foods. In fact, we all deserve to be eating nutritious foods. So my diet is also plant-based. I've been eating plant-based foods for six years now. I'm a conscious person. I'm a socially responsible person, especially when it comes to recycling and conservation. Fun fact about my personal style is that more than half of the clothes I own are recycled. So that is me. That is my strength. That is who I am. That is what I am passionate about. And I was also thankfully so fortunately influenced by my late grandmother who was very close to me and she was such a beautiful farmer. She grew everything, you know, from fruits to vegetables all the way to cut flowers. So that was me having to choose a career path that aligns with all of that. And that is why agriculture was my final choice. And in a beautiful twist of irony, I actually did study agriculture in my first year of varsity. 
before I changed my field. And I must say, I had a perception when it comes to studying and doing agriculture. I thought that all you need to do is just plant, chill and harvest, meditate with the sunrise. And, you know, there is some truth to that. But I was pleasantly surprised that the agriculture sector consists of hardworking males and females, ensuring that the nation is fed. These are dedicated people. These are intelligent people. These are patient people, independent and creative thinkers right up my alley. And that is what attracted me to the sector. As a woman in the sector, has your journey thus far been fruitful at all? What was a moment of breakthrough for you? Absolutely, yes. It has definitely been a fruitful journey. A lot of people do not know this about me, but I have been trying to enter and cement myself in the agriculture sector for three years now. After choosing that agriculture is the way to go, I went in head first. I was the most diligent, the most dedicated YouTube scholar because at that time, all I had was one year education in agriculture, my phone, my laptop and data. So I used what I had to pursue my passion. I remember waking up meant having to delete saved videos for new ones. And I'm so glad that I went through all of that because it incentivized me to get up there and go to farms and ask farmers for help, ask farmers to shadow them. And that time I'm staying at home in Emalahleni in Mpumalanga. So farms are everywhere in the outskirts. So that was to my advantage. I began volunteering at various farms. Sometimes all I did was just observe the farmers who were all male, by the way, because they believed that the field work was no job for a lady. So I was given tasks like doing their record keeping. And I would like to thank those farmers because the record keeping is a valuable tool that I still use for my business today. So at that time, the male farmers really believed that they just trying to protect me, but they had no idea that I was there to learn the groundwork. I wanted to know everything, the science of agriculture, what they were planting, why are they planting it? Why is it bolting? Why does this one have flowers? Which irrigation system are you using? So I've been everywhere. I've been learning as I go. I've been as far as Macharadop all the way to Transkai at Umzumkulu in a village called Ntigeni. That is where I stayed using communal land to grow my first batch of my cabbages on one hectare using irrigation from the river that flowed all around the village. And I stayed there in the Transkai, sleeping in rendezvous and soaking the beauty of simple life is Lalini. To finally this year, having acquired my five-year lease on a 14-hectare farm to start my agribusiness. So the journey has been fruitful and it has been worth it. I believe that this is my breakthrough and a first of many more to come. The world is still adjusting to black women taking up space in various sectors. What have been some challenges for you in the industry and how have you managed to overcome these? COVID-19 has been a lot to say the least. Many small businesses were left for ruin. What has been your recipe for success in light of the global pandemic? The world is still adjusting 
But most importantly, I believe that the world is now embracing black women in various sectors. Hashtag taking up space. So shout out to our former Miss South Africa. With regards to challenges, challenges have always been there and they always will be there. So it's something that you need to prepare for where you can. And in my experience, I don't think that I am unique in facing one of the biggest challenges that you can face, which is prejudice. I'm a young female and I'm entering a male comfortable dominated space. So yes, I have had my unfortunate experiences with regards to that. Experiences that have made me feel undermined, made me feel underestimated. I've had an experience where males were cross-questioning me incessantly on the agricultural business and where they found faults, decided that that proved one of the myths that women just do not belong in the sector. They didn't cross-question me all for the purpose of teaching me to be better or learning the ropes. So those are unfortunate things that sometimes you can go through as a female in the sector. But there is a silver lining. There is always a silver lining. Such incidents have given me no choice but to become stronger, to take education even more seriously, to learn how to be better, how to be a better farmer, how to be a better businesswoman. And now I feel like that it has almost reiterated my vision. And my vision is that I am going to be the best farmer that I can be. I want to contribute holistically to the food and the nutrition in our country and globally. And these are my goals. These are my dreams. I know where I've been. I know where I'm going. So I take challenges as making me just a better version of myself. And I see them sometimes as just mere distractions. And I rise above. So ladies, there definitely is a gender gap in the agricultural sector. That is why I will forever advocate for more women involvement in the agricultural sector, especially on my social media pages, Twitter to be exact. And I'd like to encourage the females that the agricultural sector does not stop at production. There is an entire value chain where you can find yourself and make your mark and make a difference. There's the processing aspect, there's the market management, there's the grading criteria, the storage, the transportation, the finance, the legal aspect, you know, the cooling and the packing technologies, and even recently, the digital technologies. So ladies, join us. There's ample opportunities and we can do this. COVID-19 has been a lot to say the least. Many small businesses were left for ruin. What has been your recipe for success in light of the global pandemic? Yes, many small businesses were definitely left for ruin. And it breaks my heart that some businesses eventually even had to close down. So I consider myself very grateful. I believe that what made my business a success was the team that I had. You know what they say, teamwork makes the dream work. I could not have done it without the cooperation, the dedication and the shared vision for the farm from my team. Because honestly, I was not exempt from being affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, when government enforced quarantine, lockdown, self-isolation, we were all panicked. 
because even though the agricultural sector was an essential service, it really did not take away from the fear that we had, the uncertainty and the lack of education that the people had, myself included. So when the government put all the uh, regulations in place, it definitely did affect the labor availability, especially on my operation. Because at that time, we were going through the sowing phase and securing the current growing season and harvesting the spinach at the same time. That time, we also still needed to irrigate and, you know, do the weed management. So I had to take it upon myself to create a safe social distance environment where everyone felt safe and taken seriously to the point that I had to even go fetch some of the workers because transportation had become very inconsistent. So the assured thing that we had at that time is that the demand for food was there. The demand for food is always there. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, consumers were panic buying and the prices increased. So it really was up to me to fetch competitive prices in the markets. So I believe that the recipe for success was working together and building a good solid team that I currently have. And in light of the pandemic, it highlighted for me the importance of the food system. It's not only about production, but it's also about being safe, being a responsible farmer who ensures access to nutritious, non-contaminated food to the consumer in times of a crisis or not. And as a young millennial, the COVID-19 pandemic showed me that there is an opportunity to explore new ideas, such as the use of digital solutions. We really must refresh our approach to technologies, digital business platforms and mechanization to keep us one step ahead. What are some words to live by that keep you inspired? The words that I live by, that constantly changes. It's very situation dependent. But I feel like the words that have kept me going has come from one, my dad. He's forever telling me that nothing is difficult. Nothing is difficult. He has been telling me that ever since I was a little child. And I believe him, especially now that I'm older, I realize that sometimes things that appear difficult just maybe need more of our time, maybe need more of our practice. But eventually you can actually get there and you can actually achieve what you want to achieve. And as of late, one of the words that I live by come from the legendary songstress, Erica Badu. She did a shoot with Essence magazine and she said something so profound. She said, beauty looks like encouragement, patience, acceptance, forgiveness, carefulness and compassion. Those are the words of Erica Badu. I always strive for that definition of beauty in my personal life and in my business, but especially my business. My business is my baby and I'm constantly nurturing it. I'm constantly feeding it. And the truth is, sometimes things just go bad. They go south, they go wrong. And I need to learn to forgive myself. I need to learn to try another way to do it. I need to exercise patience. I need to encourage myself, especially when I feel overwhelmed, when I'm sitting there and like cash flow is coming in as fast as it's coming out. Those are the things that I deal with and there's beauty in that. You know, I'm a person who takes pride in 
their business. I take pride in my work. I love it when my farm looks green and healthy, not industrial, like all you do is just mine and mine and mine the soil. I want my soil to also look healthy. I want the grass to be cut. I want the farm to look neat. I want flowers to grow. I want to attract the bees. We do this for the love of the land. We love it because it's beautiful and it's beautiful because we love it. And now for a quirky question. Google, if you were trapped on an island, what are the three things you would bring along with you? If I were trapped on an island, the first thing that I would definitely take is a hammock because I'm just thinking about all the stress and all the challenges that await me on that island. And I feel like I at least need to find some comfort in my sleep. So a hammock, definitely. The second would be a huge, big crocodile dundee type of knife because I think I would need to protect myself. Lord knows what's out there. And I also need to hunt for food. The last thing that I would take... Oh goodness, I am such a millennial. I would take a satellite phone. I, I have to be in communication with somebody. I have to be texting someone. So those are the three things that I think I would take. That was Gugule Tumatlangu, spinach farmer and founder of House Harvest in Boxburg, Johannesburg. It's also great to have our colleague Nolutandu Ngakani joining us on this week's podcast. Coming up shortly, the latest movements in the fresh produce markets. But first, Nikke Grunewald, the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank, explains everything you need to know about business succession. Today, I'm joined by Nikke Grunewald. He is the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank. Hello, Nikke. Welcome to your Gesell. How are Good day. Thank you. Going very well uh, for agri specifically. I think it's a specific good time. Now, Nico, we've been able to chat to your colleagues um, over the past few weeks. And today I'm honored to be talking to you and we're going to be covering a number of topics over the next few weeks. But today we're discussing business succession. Maybe we can start with what is business succession? When you look at where you create value, that's a dream that most of entrepreneurs are chasing. And when there's a creation of value and that's a motive, it's unlikely that one would go through all that work, the risk, the sacrifice and everything without hoping that your business would last into the future. So in its simplest terms, business succession is purely that allowing for a business to continue to run smoothly even after the current owners or managers have moved on to greener pastures or decided to do something else or in the unlikely event of passing away. That is in essence what your business succession is all about. That's that ability then to pass on either ownership or the leadership of your business or a combination of both to somebody else, which could be a family member, which could be employees. It's that so-called replacement planning in its simplest term. And why is business succession so important? What is the importance of it? There's an advisory firm in the States that claims that more than 90% of the business in the United States are family owned, but only 30% of them makes it to the, the second generation and even less than 12% makes it to the third generation. So if you have that dream of a lasting business, the numbers, if you look at what the states are saying, is obviously telling you a different story. And I think what one often forget is that there's a human life cycle, there's also a business life cycle, and sometimes we tend to forget that. And where does one start? How do you start planning all of this? 
the most important with business succession is that it is not something that you can do in isolation. You can't just sit there by yourself and think, okay, I'm going to plan my business going forward and what it should look like. You need to involve people around you. If it's a family business, then obviously you need to start with the family. But it is also very important that you involve your legal advisors, your tax advisors, your financial planners, and then obviously also your bank when you start thinking about your succession. I think what is important about a succession planning, it should actually be part of your strategy for your business going forward. So it needs to be an integral part of how you envisage your business over time and then those blocks will fall in place. And anything that we need to know before we close the discussion? I think what is important is that we as banks, sitting in a bank, also look at business succession. More so when we have to consider lending money into a business, it is important for us to understand how this business will evolve over time and whether the business would be capable and able to perform at existing or even improved levels. More so when we consider term funding into a structure. If we have to consider, let's say, a 15-year term loan, we need to have a clear view of what the succession of the business looked like. Thanks for joining us, Nico Grunewald, Head of Agribusiness at Standard Bank. Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za Now for some hot news in Mzanzi's agri-sector. The Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, Tokadi Diza, recently announced nearly 700,000 hectares of state land is being made available for agricultural purposes. In her press briefing, Minister Diza details the number of farms available and the steps farmers should follow to access the land. Since the announcement by the President in February, the department has released about 135,117 hectares of land to 275 farmers. The breakdown per province is as follows. In the Free State, it was 500 hectares. In Gauteng, 929 hectares. KwaZulu-Natal, 4,940. In Limpombo, 32,170. In Pumalanga, 50,480 hectares. Northwest 46,097. The beneficiaries in terms of demographics are as follows. 160 of those who benefited out of the 275 are women, and 114 of those are young people, and one person with disabilities. We want to say out of the remaining hectares, in two weeks' time, government will issue an advertisement notice of farms measuring about 529,000 and 14 hectares of the remaining hectares that were announced by the president. In terms of the provinces, Eastern Cape will have 43,000 hectares that will be released. Free State will have about 8,333 hectares. In Gauteng, they won't have any since we have released those already that were there. In KwaZulu-Natal, 3,684. In Limpombo, 129,567 hectares in Pumalanga, 40,206 in Northern Cape, 12,224 
in Northwest, 300,000 hectares. Western Cape does not have state land that is due for release. However, in other programs of land reform, such as SPLAS and others, as and when land is available, it will be released. We also will ensure during this current year and in the coming year that we resolve the issues of Tranka land, which was in the then government earmarked for colored communities in Northern Cape and Western Cape, which still remain under the state and those will be released in time. These advertisement notices will be issued through local, district and provincial newspapers. It will also be on our department website and local radio stations. Application forms will be available in the district offices and provincial offices of both the departments of agriculture in the province as well as the Department of Agricultural Land Reform and Rural Development. What offices used to be offices of land reform and rural development in the past? The advert will run from 15 October to 15 November 2020 giving us one calendar month. That was Toko Didiza, Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. From Farm to Fork right here on Farmers Inside Track, we head over now to Chef Tefo Mohoro, who shares his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. But of course, you'll also be empowered with a top tip from our nutritionist, Andrea Duplessy. It's a very difficult one because it depends on people's palate. But from my perspective, I'd say the key ingredient for a perfect South African meal will be a tomato because you can use it in your stews, you can use it as a, or in a gravy, you can use it in a curry, you can use it as just a fruit or in your salad. It's an affordable ingredient that most South Africans use on a regular basis and adds a lot of base and body to whatever it is that you are cooking. Today I'm excited to chat about tomatoes, not only because I love how they taste, but also because they are highly nutritious and good for us. Now the question I often get as a dietitian is whether it's true that one gets more nutritional benefit from eating tomatoes cooked than raw. So let me answer that question for you. The shortcut to the best answer is that both cooked and raw tomatoes are extremely healthy, but there's a difference in the nutrients that you get from raw versus cooked tomatoes. In raw tomatoes, you get a lot more of the water-soluble vitamins like vitamin C and the B vitamins, and those vitamins are heat-sensitive. So when tomatoes are cooked, some of the vitamin C and some of the B vitamins might be reduced in the final product. However, if you love tomato sauces in your pasta like I do, don't worry about cooking tomatoes because what happens if you cook a tomato is certain nutrients are made available easier for the body. Specifically, the red pigment that we see in the tomato skin, which is called lycopene. Now, lycopene is actually an antioxidant that is highly beneficial for the health of your cardiovascular system and your your heart and for men it's also really beneficial for the health of the prostate gland that forms part of the reproductive system. So short and long end of the story is cooked and raw tomatoes are really good for you. Enjoy them. Thanks for joining us Chef Tefu and Andrea for more great proudly South African recipes and of course even more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa. 
visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at foodformzanzi and use the hashtag FarmersInsideTrack. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. We are drawing closer to the end of another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmers have selected South Africa's Greatest Entrepreneurs by Moki Makuru. Makuru is a Nigerian-born South African actress and presenter, best known for her presenting in the news and actuality show Carte Blanche. Only four of them were from South Africa. Yeah. A lot of people came up to me and said, when are you doing your next book? And also, what struck me was that if there were only four South Africans in the previous book, and it was a really well-bought book, a lot of people bought the book. And I thought, well, look, here's an opportunity to actually tell the stories of the entrepreneurs I missed out mm-hmm. in the first book. And that's essentially what I tried to do. Well, I think what constitutes success, if you look at the brands that some of the people in this book have started, Mnet. ShopRite Checkers, Macro, I mean, we can go through all the names. These are household names now, and those have been started by the people in this book. They are some of the biggest employers in the country. That, to me, is definition of success. These businesses, well, we've called them empires. These people have built their empires. But it all started with an inkling of an idea of one person, and that's why we call them entrepreneurs. It's been somebody's drive, somebody's vision that's actually ended up in, in a very, very right. successful business. The stories themselves are about anybody who started a business and that's the key thing that these people started businesses so the sector they're from was almost irrelevant but we actually try to be reflective of South African society so we've got women in there and you know there's, there's definitely four very powerful women in there and we've tried to get a cross-section of people who started businesses and all the people in here are pretty much household names I mean I don't think there's any names that people don't know about but what I found is a lot of people don't know the stories Sounds like a must read for anyone who wants to start a new business. Remember to email your book suggestions to info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Let me repeat that. It's info at foodformzanzi.co.za. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Dawn and Duncan. As mentioned, I'm Dr. Johnny van Amerwe and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and also follow us on Facebook. Also make sure to check out our weekly grain and livestock overviews. With that said, let's see what happened to the latest vegetable prices the past week. The potato price increased by 7% to 69.53 per 10 kilogram back last week. Demand is still strong this week and coupled with the rain that can result in lower volumes again this week has resulted in a further significant increase in the price, probably closer to the 80 rand per 10 kilogram mark. If volumes increase towards the weekend, prices may come down however. The tomato price decreased last week to 8.54 
But the market already bounced back this week with very low volumes currently on the markets. Expect prices to trade significantly higher this week as well. The rain and cooler weather will most likely keep prices on this higher level for the rest of the month. The carrot price increased by 3% to 3.29 per kilogram with higher demand this week that may support an upward movement. Although the onion price decreased last week to 3.73, some good news for the market is that prices already traded upwards this week as well due to slightly lower volumes and some producers finishing up. The rain can also mean lower volumes and higher prices this week. The upward trend may continue for the remainder of the month. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2 rand 56. The garlic price decreasing further to 45 rand 20. The spinach price on a very low 1 rand 96. While the sweet potato price increased further to 8 rand 45 per kilogram. This price is now 168% higher than a year ago. Peppers increased to 13 rand 97 per kilogram. The cooler weather is also likely to impact the fruit industry over the coming few weeks. Banana volumes increased slightly last week, but prices remained on a relatively high level of 8.66 per kilogram, with the colder weather that can keep volumes slightly lower than usual over the coming few weeks. The latest apple price increased by 9% to 7.28 due to better demand, while the pear prices stayed stable on 7.78 per kilogram last week. Continued improved demand can support both these prices. The orange price stayed on 4.66 with demand definitely improving this week. Higher retail prices, low volumes and higher demand will most likely support prices over the coming few weeks. The avocado price however decreased last week by 7% to 18.13 but is likely to stay in its upward trend for the time being due to volumes that may continue to trend downwards. The table grape price decreased by 5% to 53.09 last week and we will soon start off with the local production season but the cooler weather may mean that it is delayed for a week or two. But with that said, we expect a very good season in terms of quality from our local producers when the season starts due to the cooler weather, resulting in more consistent sizes and quality in general. Thanks, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. Dawn, that's a wrap for this week then. Remember, listeners, if you love the podcast, share it with your friends, your family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please stay safe out there and remember to always wear a mask. Also visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.